Hello and welcome back to the Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week, five tones could mean anything. We watched Close Encounters of the Third Kind. We're going to talk about Close Encounters. We're going to talk about the kinds. We're going to talk about Richard Dreyfus. We're going to talk about all kinds of things. But first, how was your week? My week was lovely, and we just discussed it yesterday. Yeah. Yes, we went to a geyser. We had a good time. Um, Imagine was, what will your week two weeks from now my be week, like? Two weeks from now will be. I what we what will the date be? Oh, I don't know. This episode comes out mm-hmm. on the fifteenth of June, the day after Flag Day. Okay, three days until Father's Day. Yes, then I probably will be preparing A, for Father's Day, and B, also for attending a in a reading at um, a new bookstore that's opening up in downtown Oakland. And it's going to be authors reading their books. It was sponsored by the California Writers Club. Oh, so, you've got a California Writers Club thing coming up. Right, so I have an event there, and there's also a, another event before that, which will be um, a, uh, but that'll be online. And that'll be writing snappy dialogue. Snap, snap, snap. Snap, snap, snap. Which I can do already, but I want to... I'm good with dialogue. I'm bad with plot. I'm, I can do both. But yes, my plots are very strange and involve possibly unsympathetic characters, so I have to work on that too. How is your week going to be? Uh, it's going to be good. Uh, or your week, rather. My good. weeks will be good. Mm-hmm. We, I'm just trying to... I'm like, mm, work... It's like I got some work, followed by different work, but then maybe some other different work. I'll probably paint something. I mm. painted something you did I this saw weekend, them. and so I may do again. We'll see. All right, you want to talk about this movie? I want to talk about this movie. Okay, so how should we start? We should start with, what is your history with this movie? That's an interesting question. Um, I My history for this film starts in 1977. When <gasps> was That's when old. it came out. And you were seven years old. I was seven years old, and I was... Maybe eight. Hold on. It was November. You were eight. I was into <laughs> all sorts of things that I still am into as we sit next to my bed that has a big Godzilla sheet uh, bedspread on it. But uh, that was one of the things. And dinosaurs and monsters and spaceships. And so um, there was a documentary on the making of Close Encounters of the Third Kind on television, which I saw. Um, and I also read, and this is going to really show my age. Well, so it was 1977, so no, it won't. <laughs> we, we used to get the National Enquirer. Yes. Because there was all sorts of wild and strange stories in it. Bat Boy. And I lo- well, this was well before the Bat Boy stuff. Oh. This was back when it was still trying to pass itself off as an news- information kind of newspaper. And they had a serialization of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Over, I think it was three or four issues of the magazine. Uh, they had uh, it's kind of like a, a summation of what happens in the film, and so I was really familiar with the details of it. But of course, they didn't explain anything in terms of the UFOs or the flying saucers or any of the things that you genuinely uh, saw in the film. And uh, also Spielberg, probably because of Jaws and the issue with that, with. Uh, some people seeing the shark too early and claiming that it looked fake. He was very gun-shy about showing any kind of special effects, heavy sequences that he was doing. That was something that went all the way through Jurassic Park. 
you didn't see the dinosaurs until you actually went and saw the film. Oh, like they didn't show it right, in that. You saw a dinosaur's foot at one point. You saw the, the Tyrannosaurus stepping in the mud. That was all you saw of the dinosaurs in the trailer uh, until the actual film was released and went wide. So I uh, I had this experience of the film reading about it and seeing films about the making of it. I saw an interview with Dick Cavett, uh, with, uh, on Dick Cavett with Spielberg where he talked about making this film. And you are too young to have hate to hate Spielberg at this point. Well, no, because I hadn't seen enough movies to realize that he does a lot of kind of borrowing yes, without asking. Um, when was the first time you saw this movie? Do you recall? Well, I saw it on television, and this was when I was in high school already, uh, because it just completely slipped my mind. There were so many other things to do, and uh, I was really impressed by it just on regular broadcast television. And of course, um, I've seen it. I think. Tw- once since then when it was re-released, a special edition of it, which is what we saw um, just for the podcast. What about you? Have you any experience with this film at all? I knew that there was a scene with potatoes. I knew it was about aliens, and I knew it had Richard Dreyfuss in it. That's it. That's all. So this was all. <laughs> and I knew it was a Spielberg movie, but right. yeah, I, I'd never seen it. I don't know how I managed to avoid it because I think it was on television a lot when I was a kid, but I never mm. watched it, never saw it. Not even like, like I say, and I will still say I never saw Star Wars as a kid, but that's mm. a lie. I never watched Star Wars as a kid, but I saw it. It was on in the background and I would be like, mm. oh, I don't care about this. And then I wouldn't watch it. Right. This was never on in the back. Like, I don't have mm. any recollection of seeing this. And I was never spoiled for the alien. Mm. Didn't know what it was going to look like. What about the... Yeah, I mean, watching it now as an I adult, mean, I'm unsurprised by how it looks. It looks mm. like a typical alien. Mm. I mean, the, the effects are interesting and good. The first scene, or the first view of the alien is very deeply creepy to me. Right. But, um... I think that was that was intentional. Yeah. Right. Um... But it's not a, it's not a, maybe that's why. Maybe it's because it's not a surprising, interesting alien. It's not mm. a Giger. It's not, you know, it is like a, a gray, right? It's right. just a little dude this with is the big first eyes. Time that and yeah. People really tried to uh, realize one. Yeah. On screen. And so that's, that's something that, that, now in 2023 that we don't realize that mm-hmm. before this aliens were hostile they were it was very much the the pattern that was set by H.G. Wells yeah. 100 years earlier yeah. which is they're coming you know he was doing a, a parallel or an even Spielberg did a version of that himself as well right. uh, they're, they're essentially are colonizing earth right. that was Wells' message so after that aliens typically invaded earth and something like the day the earth still was Stood out for being rare, yeah. In that they were friendly, still a menace yeah. in a way. There but are they some. Were there are friendly. some. I have some issues with. The, I really liked this movie. We'll start mm-hmm. there. I liked okay. it. I'm not going to talk badly about it, but there are some. I don't like the term plot hole. There are some vagaries and blurring of things that are not addressed that I'm like, um, that we'll, we'll get to. And mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll, I'll come up with that. But let's, let's start with the title. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. You know what's never mentioned in this whole 
movie, mm. what a close encounter is, what the kinds are, which is wild. Because if this is the third kind, what are the other kinds and how many are there? And I'm we're, we're going to go over that. We're going to go. First, we'll start with Hynek's scale. Now, Hynek appears in the film as well. Oh, yeah? He does. Is he in the, at the end? In the very final film, there's yeah. a man very conspicuously who gets an odd amount of screen time. And well, that's you him. You to see it with a pipe in his hand. Interesting. And you think, oh, he looks like a stereotypical 50s kind of professor hero out of a thing or one of those other films. No, that's Dr. J. Allen Hynek. Got you. And he wrote a book in 1972 mm-hmm. called The UFO Experience, A Scientific Inquiry. Um, so there are the close, a close encounter is when a person has an encounter with a UFO. We call them UAPs now, unidentified aerial phenomena. This was unidentified flying object. It's all the the same. same If you don't know what it is and it's in the sky, this is what we're talking about. Close encounter, first kind, visual sighting of an unidentified flying object, seemingly less than 500 feet away, that show appreciable angular extension and considerable detail. In other words, I saw something that wasn't just a light. Mm-hmm. It has to have some details right. in it. Close encounter of the second kind. Uh, a UFO event in which a physical effect is event alleged. This can be interference in the functioning of a vehicle or an electronic device. This could be animals reacting. This could be a physiological effect, such as paralysis or heat or discomfort in the witness. We see something akin to a sunburn in this movie. We also see power outages. So we're getting all of the kinds, you guys. It's not just the third kind. We're getting all of the kinds. Right. Third kind. This is the one. Da, 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 da. This is where you see the alien. Not just a craft. Not just an object. But some sort of being present. Including humanoids, robots, and humans who seem to be occupants or pilots of the UFO. Like if it's unidentified to you because it is a foreign military craft. That still counts as a close encounter of the third kind. Um, The fourth kind, y'all, is when you're abducted. And there is a movie called The Fourth Kind with Mila Jovovich, which actually I really like. Mm. It's very low-key but very creepy, and it is about abductees. Uh, And the fifth kind is when we poke and then get a response, which we... I don't... It's really interesting because where the line for that is i don't Mm -hmm. know right we've sent radio waves and things out into space we don't know if we're getting response if if any ufo activity now is response to that or Mm -hmm. not we don't know um but so that's the ufo that's the close encounters y'all we don't ever hear that phrase in this movie yeah. <laughs> it was fairly well known because the book was popular. Yeah, and it got way more popular after this movie right. came out. Um, and Spielberg himself mentioned reading Heineck's book and how that really gave all these stories credibility. Yeah. Because he Heineck started out as a skeptic. He was yeah. a hardline skeptic. Oh, interesting. He worked for the government debunking UFOs. Uh, three separate uh, projects that were set by the government as these views kept happening, right? People kept seeing them. Um, and eventually he converted. He just said, wait, there's too much that these people have in common. 
this was before the internet, so that's interesting. There wasn't a communication between the farmer in Nebraska and the guy right. in New Mexico or the people in Colombia, right? Who were right. seeing the exact same thing, and he's going, "Wait, there's something else going on," and just telling people it's not there. There's an interesting statement that he made, which I'm going to read part of. Okay. It, ridicule is not a part of the scientific method, and people should not be taught that it is. And so what he's saying by that is that we were hired, in essence, he's admitting, we were hired to just sort of debunk this and say the people who are seeing this have, they're seeing recognizable objects in the sky, they're seeing airplanes, but then there's the classification of, and we know this now recently because we actually know that they exist, whether or not they're from outer space, we don't know. We just know that unidentified flying objects are zipping around and we see them. Yeah. Um, but his whole idea is we have to stop making fun of this. It's actually something is happening and we don't know what it is. And we don't need to go after the people who are citing this and look into their personal lives and question them and harass them, which is what the government had been doing right. for a while. Right. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, as we discussed it last week, it's very strange to me to live in a time where these the the government has admitted they they exist and to think that one as recently as sitting there as a young adult watching something like the x-files where there was a constant struggle will they ever admit that these things exist it's like well yeah they do gotcha all right so these are the encounters. Mm-hmm. Now let's before we get into the movie. This movie stars Richard Dreyfuss. Right. Richard Dreyfuss is a seventy-five-year-old man who has just recently come back into the headlines, even though he hasn't been in anything in years, because he thinks that the new diversity guidelines for the Oscars. He said, and I quote, "They make him vomit." Um. And then he goes on to praise Laurence Olivier's blackface and uh, opine, are you telling me that I'll never be able to play a black man? And Mr. Dreyfus, yes, that is what we're telling you. Although, no, we aren't. You absolutely can do that. What you can't do is do that and then be nominated for an Academy Award. That's all. It's a consequence of your action. He's a 75-year-old man. He has... Bipolar disorder, which he has openly discussed. Mm. Um, He has largely stepped away from acting. I don't know why. PBS decided that they needed to get his take on this. Because he is not even a going concern. Mm. Um, I appreciate Richard Dreyfuss's performances in the 70s and the 80s. I could take him or leave him in the 90s. And that's where we should stop with him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, he, think whatever you want. Be whatever you want. Do blackface if you want. No one's going to stop you or jail you. But also, nobody wants to see that, dude. So that'll be a consequence of your action, which you are free to do. I I think (laughs) that... And he also talked about it in terms of, so we're talking about the Academy Awards and how they have these new diversity and inclusion Mm -hmm. uh, guidelines, which are broad and almost every movie will hit them realistically, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
without even trying at this point, but now you, you some of them are going to have to try a little bit harder. The lighthouse is a little bit like like two mm. two dudes, and that's it on screen. That's a trickier trickier ask. But he started by saying, "This is an art. It's also commerce, but it's art." I'm like, mm, the Academy Awards, though they're uh, they're going to go ahead and be on the commerce side as mm. they have been for the last fifty years. So don't get it twisted. It's also it, these all these movies make money. Like that's what they're here for. If they won't make money, they're not going to get greenlit. They're not going to get made. Hi, welcome mm. to Hollywood. So his his whole premise is skewed. I think that there are actors who come from a particular generation where things were allowed that we don't need to have anymore. Mm. I mean, we were, ourselves were admiring Touch of Evil, which has Charlton Heston playing a Mexican <sighs> yeah. character. Now, mind you, it was a condition to get this film made in the first place. Right, which is wild. Right. But... Yeah. Uh, but it was a condition of getting it made. He was supposed to play a white character. His wife, Janet Lee, was supposed to be the Mexican character. Right. And they, played by another actress. Yeah. Uh, and Orson Welles insisted on switching it because he said the Mexican can be the hero as well. But they insisted it had to be Charlton Heston. So then we have Charlton Heston playing a Mexican character. So there were... It was... It, there's a strange kind of dynamic that was happening with older films. Where mm-hmm. representation meant that sometimes you were, they were played by white characters. Or white actors. We're not um, doing that anymore, y'all. We don't have to do that. <laughs> we not don't now. have to. There's a, a huge uh, a pool of unused talent, frankly. Yep. Of yep. really first-rate talent that should be explored before we start going back to the days of using, you know, uh, having essentially Caucasian actors in blackface or brownface. Yeah. Or yellowface. Mm. Also a thing. Yes, that did happen. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. And he won't probably apologize for it. And that's fine. He doesn't have to. As I say, he hasn't been... The last thing that he was really in mm-hmm. was Weeds um, in 2011. He's, like, done acting now. And that's fine. And mm. so I don't know why we need to ask him about. I think, yeah. I don't need to know what Scorsese thinks about Mar- Marvel movies, and I don't right. need to know what Richard Dreyfus thinks about the diversity, diversity and inclusion, um, uh, equity and, and inclusion in Hollywood. I just don't. They're entitled to have their opinions. <laughs> Absolutely. Those opinions can be wrong. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but, like, uh, and this was a big year for him. Right. So he's in this movie. He's also in The Goodbye Girl, mm-hmm. for which he wins. All of the awards. He wins best pick, best actor in the at the Golden Globes and the Academy Awards this year for a different movie. Yeah. <laughs> so. I find it interesting that Spielberg initially did not see Richard Dreyfuss in this part. Interesting. And his first choice was to cast another actor that we're familiar with, um, Steve McQueen. Oh. And but it was a different actor. It wasn't the same kind. Uh, There's a different character. Yeah, um, the character that we see, I don't think McQueen would have been good for. And there's a very for. funny story about how Steven Spielberg, just like many people, thought Steve McQueen was the coolest, the coolest. guy. But then McQueen died, right? Well, like, well, what before they could... He goes to meet McQueen. He says, McQueen wants to meet me at a bar. He says, I've never been to a bar in my life. He's a drinking lightweight, right? I so guess. So he goes there, 
The Queen's drinking at this Spielberg, bar. Stop <laughs> telling people you're a nerd. He's, Just he goes through three drinks. He says, which is crazy because he has three beers. Generally, he has one, you know, one glass of wine. And he's falling over. Oh no! So he's, he's trying baby. to maintain for this really cool guy. There's a fight at the end of the bar. McQueen goes over and breaks it up. Almost becomes a part of the fight, and they're like, "Oh no, it's Steve McQueen. We don't want to get into a fist fight with him." And so it's like, yeah, that seems like the insurance is coming after right. you, and it's not going to be good. But there's a really, it's like he was really impressed with just being, you know, I'm hanging out at a bar with Steve McQueen, and he just broke up a fight. But McQueen read the script and then told him, "I loved your script, but I can't cry on command." And and Spielberg was going, "Well, I'll throw the crying scene out, the scene where he's crying." He's like, "No, no, don't do that." That part almost made me cry when I was reading it. No, this like, this is, is really good. good, it's just not for me. I can't right? do good what you're for, asking. You know what I like about Steve McQueen? But, Knows his lane. Right. And is totally happy to stay in it. Yeah. Isn't like, well, how much money are you? will you give me to go into that lane? Well, no. Nope. That's what he said. He's good. He tells him, <laughs> um, you want somebody who's going to deliver the goods. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole range of emotions you need for this. I deliver goods. These are not the goods right. I deliver. I've got bananas and you need grapes. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're not. So, yeah, apparently Spielberg went through everyone in Hollywood. That's so funny. Before he got to going back to Richard Back Dreyfuss. to Richard Dreyfuss, right. who he just worked with, hadn't he? He was working with at the time. Oh, actively. Yeah, he was doing jobs. He's like, he's trying really hard to get Gene Hackman or Dustin Hoffman or Al Pacino or anybody Hoffman is the only one of those three I right. could see doing this role. And yeah, his thing was he wanted to get somebody who could be an everyday person. It's like, well, then you didn't want Steve McQueen, did you? Yeah, none of those guys right. are everyday. Yeah, they're not everyday people. And so Dreyfus, he wound up going with Now, granted, eventually. it's hard to go, which Hollywood star right. best portrays the everyday man? You know what? None of them, because they are not. That's right. not what exactly. they are. That's why they're stars <laughs> yeah. and not everyday people. They're not just like us. Um, yeah, so Richard Dreyfus plays Roy. Mm-hmm. He's our star. He's our main character. But he's not who we start the movie with. You want to get into the plot, or do yes, you have more that you want to say about the, the making mm-hmm. of and oh, the stuff We'll just, it. just go along, okay. mentioning details as we go along. We start in the Sonoran Desert in Mexico with a French scientist played by... Francois Truffaut. A very famous French director. Mm-hmm. Apparently, um, Spielberg wanted a bunch of other people maybe for this role, but it was always a French man. So he knew that this character was going to be French. Well, God he was damn inspired it. by an actual French ufologist, uh, Jacques Vallée. That's fine, but he's Good. not playing that French psych- uh, 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 ufologist. Oof. Ufology is actually how it, what the thing is, and I think that's awesome. Um, his name in this is Claude Lacombe. Now, did I know that when I was watching the movie? Absolutely not. Did not know this man's mm-hmm. name until I read it in the Wikipedia article, because I was like, they never say his name in this. <laughs> He's just the French man who is going around everywhere and, and finding... Um, uh, what is he finding? Like, like the socks that we lost in the dryer as a world. Okay. So he starts and he, well, he also has an American interpreter played by Bob Balaban with more hair on him than you'll ever see. 
He's so bald most of his life. And in this, he's got hair on his head. He's got a full beard. It's like, it's like where's Bob Balaban? I'm like, oh, it's him. He's hidden, it's him there under there, all of right. the furs. So he is playing um, a, an interpreter. He also, we found out, find out later, is a cartographer. Uh, his name is David Laughlin. Once again, did I know that during watching the movie? Nope. That's mm-hmm. Bob Balaban and Francis Truffaut, uh, Francois Truffaut. That is who they were to me the whole time. Uh, but they find in the Sonoran Desert, or they are, they have been they have been alerted that in the Sonoran Desert, after a very bright light appeared in the sky, uh, there's a set of planes. These are Flight 19, um, United States Navy gunmen, TBM Avenger torpedo bombers that went missing over the Bermuda Triangle December 5th, 1945. Now, that's a real set of planes that has gone missing. Yes, it is. They have not ever returned. No. Nope. <laughs> but in this... They come back. They come back. They disappeared in the perfect condition, perfect working in, yes, condition. Yes, and they st- and they check. They they're looking at the engine block numbers to make mm-hmm. sure that everything is the same. These are the planes that went missing in December right. of 1945. They appear in the Sonoran Desert um, in 1977, and also bright light in the sky that has given this man a sunburn, and he is. But he is in a state of elation, this man that has seen this light. And Mm. um, he can't, he just says the sun came out at night and sang to him. And he is blissed out. He looks high as hell. (laughs) Um, They also, at a different time in the movie, because we sort of, he's, we're following them around in sort Mm. of like interstitials. Right. We're following two separate or three separate stories, really. Mm-hmm. We're following the story of Roy Neary, yeah. who is a lineman. Yeah. Um, and his family, his, his very strange, his very strange family. His family. Their Here, neighbor, right, Melissa. Who's, yes, who's a, not a next door neighbor, but a neighbor, lived yeah. in the same state. Yeah. And her, I guess she's a divorced mom. She's a single mom. She's a single mom, regardless. And she has yeah. a, a four year old. Oh, Jillian is, it's the actress's name is Melinda Dillon. Melinda. Yeah. Uh, the, her character's name is Jillian. Um, and then, yeah, and then these scientists. Right. Um, and so th- let me just go with the other things that the scientists sure. find around the, the Earth. They also go to the Gobi Desert, um, and they find the SS Cotopaxi, which is... Um, a big ship that also disappeared in the Bermuda Triangle and uh, also has never actually, I believe, been found. Is that no, accurate? I believe it's, yes. Um, it oh, here. Oh, that's not true, actually. So it... Launched in 1918, and it suffered serious damage and was grounded off the coast of Brazil. In and then later, she was fixed up. She was involved in a collision with a tug 
outside of Cuba, which sunk the tug. And then she and a crew of 32 vanished in December, again, December 1925, well, on right from Charleston to South Carolina to Havana with a, a bunch of coal. The wreck was actually discovered in the 1980s and not identified until January of 2020. Oh, okay. So Sweet. it has been found as wreck in the ocean, but in 1977, it had not. It was still a missing uh, ship. So now we know that. Um, and they find in the middle of the Gobi Desert. They also go to India, where all of these people are singing. And they're all blissed out, too. Mm-hmm. And they have seen some sort of light in the sky. Um, so what's happening here, we, we come to understand, is there are sort of twin um, things happening where things that have once been, that were missing, are coming back unharmed and unaged. And people are experiencing some sort of musical interaction with some sort of UFO situation, some light in the sky. It's playing repeatedly, as they discovered in India, five notes. Five notes, yeah. And um, and they, the in- investigators wind up trying to adapt that as a method of communication. Yes, which is part of what I have a problem with. And I don't know, maybe because Arrival's a movie. <laughs> like, mm. um, but so then let's meet Roy. Roy, Roy lives with his wife. Roy, Roy is Richard Dreyfus, and he lives with his wife, who's played by Terry Garr. They uh, probably shouldn't be married. I don't think they like each other very much. I don't think they have very much in common. It feels very much like they were high school sweethearts in order to have sex. They had to get married, or she got pregnant, <laughs> and so they got married. But they don't get along great they're raising these kids and maybe this is just what marriages in the 70s were but i'm just like they don't talk to each other they don't seem to have similar interests uh she is very unsupportive of him now granted he does some crazy (laughs) so i get it but like the story starts with her being kind of unsupportive and dismissive of him yeah but also she's put in put out a boundary, and he has crossed right. it. Uh, like, One of the things that without uh, Dreyfus said when he was campaigning himself for this part, because he really wanted the part, is he told Spielberg, you need a child for this. And so that's when he Spielberg realized, this is the guy for this part. He's playing an adult child, somebody who doesn't grow up, Yeah, who's insisting to his kids that they want to go see... Um, uh, Pinocchio, Pinocchio right. instead of going to Goofy the Golf. Goofy Golf. But I think that's also just because he doesn't want to deal with goofy golf. He right. wants to sit in a theater. His kids are loud. His kids are freaking loud. Really, well. I, I he's got two. They've got two boys and a girl. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, we don't start with Roy. We start with Barry. Okay, Barry. Barry's a three-year-old, y'all. Um, Barry is an adorable child who gets woken up by his terrifying '70s toys that make a bunch of noise and are all made out of pointy metal. It's wild what we had in the '70s as toys. Um, or what y'all had, because I was not born in the 70s. Uh, and he makes his way downstairs, and he sees something scary in the kitchen. What's that scary thing? It's an alien. We don't see it, though. Mm-hmm. We don't see it. 
You told me how they got the right. reactions by. It's very funny because he lo- he's he's very young. He's four years he's old. He's like three, yeah, three or four. Yeah, he's um, very little. The actor is, and so he couldn't take direction in a normal way. But Spielberg really didn't want to break away from casting. You know, old, a like a ten-year-old as a three-year-old I mean, or whatever. Remember, you watch television at the time. You're still watching twenty-five-year-olds playing yeah, yeah, yeah. high school students. That still happens so, now. Oh you you seen the kids that the kids that were in that Riverdale show? They right. were in their thirties. <laughs> like no. So what he uh, he did is that um, the little boy does this, but where he walks into the kitchen, he sees something where he's obviously frightened. Frightened, yeah, and, and then, then he <clears throat> breaks out into a smile. A smile, yeah. And <clears throat> what Spielberg had expressed to Dick Havitt, what he did is that he told the little boy, "Okay, we're going to see something. It's going to be kind of scary, but." Don't worry, we're all here to take care of you, right? Because he warned him this is not just... Right, like, don't... don't like, run he doesn't screaming. want screaming or crying. Yes. He just wants startle. Startle, like so a So, from behind the camera, uh, where the refrigerator is, out jumps a man in a gorilla suit, which causes the little boy to get apprehensive. <gasps> like, yeah. And then he's immediately joined by another man wearing a giant bunny rabbit suit. And that's where he and gets smiles. And smile. Like, okay, this is everything's silly, cool. This is silly. Okay. Um, and it's very, it's a very cute. Like, it's right. a good, he, he gets a good reaction on the film. And then Barry decides to leave. He just wanders out into the street. And his mom... Well, not the street. They're in the field. In the field, yes. They're, like, in the middle of nowhere. So he just... He takes off. And his mom has woken up and is calling out to him from the second story window, Barry, Barry, come back. I'm like, bitch, put on some shoes and go get your child. What are you doing? Um, it's the 70s. I know. They, this is the, the time of, it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? So yeah, They're out chasing UFOs. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. Roy. Roy's at home. He's playing with his uh, train, set. train set. And he... Gets a call that he's got to go into work. He is an electrician. He works for the electric company. A lineman for the electric company, I guess. And there's a little joke that Terry Gar says that she like he can't go out at night without me. And it's because they have paper maps and he can't drive while mm. having this map on. So he does go out in his truck because there's this power outage is happening. And it's like they don't know what's causing it. And, right. it's, and it's like... You hear them say, has it hit you yet? And then literally the next second, goop, power's gone. And then he's like, he's out, he's in his truck, he's got all these maps, he's like stopped in the middle of the road looking at maps, he almost gets in like three different car accidents. Um, And then he gets up to like a, like an intersection, and then his car turns off, and then there's a big bright light above him. And then he almost gets kind of, he gets kind of, it feels like the gravity is like pulling up. Right. But it doesn't actually pull him all the way up. And then, um. That's a, that whole scene is done really well because. Yeah. He's looking at his map. He's just stopped in the middle of the road. A car pulls up behind him. He waves the guy on and the guy cusses him out or calls yeah, him Yeah, you're something. stopped in the middle of the road, which. Yeah. Right. Like, so then he continues, that. he drives along, he stops again, he still doesn't know where he is, so he's out here with his map. Yeah. You see another car pull up behind him, 
The lights. That's right. It's the lights of the car. And then it goes up. It goes then the up. lights go up a over really him. Neat moment. Like, and it's oh. like, oh, no, that's not a car. And I think that <sighs> something I expressed to you when we were watching the film is how neat it is that all through the film, there's lots of scenes of the sky. Yeah. And through the film, you see... It's Muncie, Indiana, and there's no light pollution. Right. It's so beautiful. You see <laughs> airplanes, maybe. You see objects in the sky. Mm-hmm. But then some of those objects aren't the objects you're thinking. Mm-mm. And I think that was a very clever thing to mm-hmm. do because it reminds you of the fact that there's these huge spaces that you see all the time. And you take for granted the fact that what you're seeing is an airplane. Right. It's a satellite. It's right. a, and here, he thinks it's a car. It's not. Yeah. Um, The scene with the automobile where it comes to life which is something that happens in your car yeah most of the time when you turn it on yeah um was uh it was roy arbogast he was a special effects person who did practical effects okay. on set you know doug trumbull who did 2001 did all the beautiful stuff near the end uh-huh. uh arbogast did all the mechanical effects they used to call them which is something that happens on stage with the actors and he built a truck on a gimbal so that he could turn it completely over which is why okay. he that's, is that's strapped into strapped the car. In. Uh, yeah. Because if not, he would have fallen yeah. off. Yeah. But um, but yeah, that was a really I think that was effective because all these it, it uh, all the objects in his car start floating up towards the roof of the car, and he starts shifting that way. And they mention that later on in the film when they're at Devil's Tower, there there's a warning voice that says there's a zero gravity zone between us and the spaceship. Yeah. Uh, because they were going to do that again, but the ending went on so long, that part got and just cut. Yeah. So he ends up chasing, like, it, this thing that was over him ends up flying off with three other right. light bundles or crafts or whatever, and he and three police cars go chasing after them. Um, and... He ends up on a hill mm-hmm. where a bunch of other people are out waiting for these things to come by, including little Barry running in the street. Roy almost hits him with his truck, and then a police car almost hits him. Like, yeah. But Jillian finally comes up and grabs her, his kid, or her kid, and then we see them kind of just looking up expectantly waiting for something, but nothing else happens. And then Roy goes home. Now, Roy has been infected with... A thought. Yes. it's it, There's two things that happen to him. One, he gets a hell of a sunburn. Sunburn on half of his face, yeah. And then, which is a close encounter of the second kind. The physical evidence That's is right. a sunburn. Physical evidence. And we saw that earlier in Sonora mm-hmm. with the old man who, mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. sees the, uh, the UFOs. But, um, but yes, he, he has the euphoria, in a, not to the extent that some of the others have, because he saw it and it passed him. Yep. He has a an EDA fix, so to speak. The next night, he makes his whole family go out to the same hillside to, mm-hmm. I guess, wait to see if it'll happen again. And everybody else is there. Jillian's there. Jillian, we see she's drawing some sort of mountain shape right. over and over and over again. And um, he is he starts sculpting it. He's right. like, there's something he sees. It, there's he sculpts the mashed potatoes. Um, he's He's trying yeah, it to sculpt. With shaving cream, and it goes to the mashed yeah, potatoes. Oh, that's right, yeah. And um, then, then there's an abduction, and that abduction of is of the baby, mm-hmm. baby Barry. He, I don't know if it's that next night or the night after. Um, he 
basically wakes up, goes outside, and then um, he gets sucked up into Right. The, well, he actually pull him through the doggy right, door. They pull him through the doggy door. That's right. right. Oh, right. It's a little bit more violent. And Jillian tries to chase after him or tries to grab him and can't. Mm. So then she has lost her child and has to go to the police, which... <sighs> God bless you if you lose your child to an, an, uh, an alien abduction and then have to go to the police. Like, that's... You're fucked. Um, so, this is... During this these parts, we also go back to Lancome and Laughlin, mm -hmm. our, our scientists, um, that now know that there's this five-tone motif mm -hmm. that everybody has heard. And we'd heard the farmer whistling it right. um, earlier, and then um, we hear it at different points. And they send the same five tones back out into space, and they get a response that they that are number. It's numbers. It's a set of five numbers, and they didn't understand what it was, which was wild to me because then the, our cartographer, who has just been an interpreter all the way up until now says, hey, I, before I um, was paid to speak, you know, to translate, I translated maps. So that's longitude. It's, a, it's, it's, a, this is, this is part of the issue. This is, this is part of the thing where I'm like, mm. of the five digits, the first three is what we, we, we determine as a longitude. And from that, they're like, it's a place in Wyoming. But a longitude is a circumference. <laughs> it's an entire circle. How do you, you need the other half. You need the latitude to tell me what state that is. Um, so I was just like, how, how did we get there? Um, but we do. We, we figure out Wyoming. Meanwhile, Roy has moved on to bigger and better sculpting things. <clears throat> By what I mean, he starts throwing dirt and bricks right. through his kitchen window. And this happens, He's he has a really bad breakdown at one point, where he's in the shower, he is begging his wife to help him. Yeah. And she... Because he's like, I don't understand what's happening to right. me, and I, but I can't, he, like, he can't stop thinking about it. Right, exactly. And she, this is the scene where she comes off as unsympathetic, yeah. because she doesn't even want him to touch her. She, he's, she's literally like, snap out of it, shut up, right. and help me raise these kids. And Because he's, oh, he got fired, which right. I still don't that understand why really he got fired. Yeah, he he got gets hired. fired the next day. Right, right at the night after. The he, night after he he'd, been, he'd seen the UFO. And I'm like, why? Yeah. I Like, and, and you never get it. She answers the phone in mm -hmm. the next morning. As they're all preparing to start their day. Right. And he, she says, wait, what? I don't understand. This, that, and the other. And then she hangs up and she's like, you've been fired. They didn't even want to talk to you. I'm like, what the fuck happened? Right. We never know. We never mm -hmm. find out. Which is another thing where it's like, wait, what? I don't understand. <laughs> like, he just needed the time. Like, he needed his character to have time. So he just... So also, unceremoniously fired him, and like he was driving. Happen, a, well, but yeah. he was driving a a company truck, right, and they true. didn't want it back. I think he was driving <laughs> the company truck, and maybe that's the reason why they fired him because he went off on this high speed wild goose chase. 
after these UFOs that cross the state lines, remember, because they go through it. At one point, there's a really funny bit where they go through a toll gate into the next state. Into Ohio. Right. And so that might have been what what got him fired. Oh, okay. Um, Maybe. Like, what were you doing out there when we were in the middle of this this emergency? But they never get the the truck back, which is weird. He's like, I'm going to make something beautiful. Just wait a second and it'll be beautiful. And he starts literally throwing Mm. dirt and mud and bricks in through the kitchen window, at which point his wife is like, I'm taking the kids. She's in her pajamas. She doesn't even get dressed. I'm taking the kids and I'm going. And he tries to stop her by getting on the hood of the car, and she drives away and knocks him off the hood of the car. I'm like, yeah, y'all shouldn't be married. Like, you... There's not a base level of care in either direction. I I agree with what you said about she, and this sounds really mean, that she got pregnant and they got married. It feels like... the very first time that he takes her out at night to see these lights in the sky... Yeah. She tells him, we used to come out at night to see each other this way. Mm. And it's almost as if that's what she's missing and Mm -hmm. she's not particularly big on the parenthood experience because the kids basically run wild in this Yeah, they're they're taking over, for sure. You don't have more than two. You're outnumbered now. Um, And he has now... The next time we see him then, he has a... He has filled his dining room with a it, it doesn't start on the floor. I think no. it's on a table or on a low table maybe. And I think it's probably six and a half, seven feet high yeah. replica of Devil's Tower in Wyoming. But he doesn't know it's Devil's Tower. He doesn't Tower know yet. it's Devil's right. Tower in Wyoming. But he has this thing. And then he answers the phone and I think it's his wife telling him right. we're not coming back or whatever. And then meanwhile then in the news, there's all these. They're, they're saying that there's this um, chemical spill, chemical spill mm-hmm. around Wyoming, around this area, and they keep showing Devil's Tower, and he sees it. And he's like, "Oh, I got to go there." So, the government, or our French friend, or someone. It's really, that's the other thing. It's very unclear. Well, and it's left deliberately unclear. At one point, he says to them when he's being interrogated, Roy does, who are you people? Who are you people? Yeah, and you don't know. That's the thing. You don't know. We've got some men in black situation, right? right? Where they are like, we need to get every, they they figure out, or they they presume that these aliens are going to come and make an appearance at this location when we don't know. Maybe that's what the other two numbers were at a time. Unclear. But they want to get all of the civilians away. They don't want people there. So they say there's a chemical spill. Toxic airborne event, y'all. It's a standard practice. See Ohio. Um, and also white noise. Like It's a, it's a pretty common mm-hmm. motif these days. And they are going to, and they're preparing this little land, this landing zone, and they have a bunch of audiologists to get the notes right, which Mm -hmm. is very weird for me because I'm like, you figured out what the notes are, and you're. That's the other problem with that I have. There's like another issue. They just, they don't know what they mean. They just 
the five notes back over and over again. And then they try and show that they have some sort of comprehension by these weird leaps in phrases that they say at the la- in the last scene. And I'm like, no, 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 absolutely not. So Roy and Jillian both see the broadcast with Devil's Tower in the background. And both of them have been having visions of this thing. And she's lost her child, right? So she needs to figure out where her baby is. And so they and a bunch of other people who are also having visions after having these experiences are all start traveling towards Wyoming. And they get... They run into Mother Caught Abigail. by the army. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> they get caught by the army. Um, you know, as they're driving, they're passing dead animals, but it turns out those have been gassed by the army to make it look... And, and I'm like, yeah, because they're right by the road. Mm-hmm. This a group of three cows right by the road. A group of three horses right by the road. Look, a sheep right by the road. I'm like, yeah, these animals were put... Like, this is staged. Now... I was glad to hear that they were only gassed and not killed. Right. I appreciated that little, like that, well, <laughs> like that bad voice like, too. It's a good thing you guys didn't kill anybody out there. And it's like, oh, they definitely killed like seventy-five people. But okay, that one line makes it totally fine. Um, and so they start, they go and they persist. They get caught. And he is sure that there's nothing wrong with the air. And he takes, like, there. there's 12 of these people mm-hmm. that have pilgrimaged here yeah. uh, in the back of this truck. And he's like, the air is fine. And he takes his, his gas mask off and it turns out the air is fine. And so he and Jillian both, uh, none of the other people are willing to go with him, but he and Jillian both bounce and they start climbing up Devil's Tower. And it's it's weird because it looks like it's hard to get a, a, a sense of where things are here. Like, it almost looks like they're inside of, like, a crater in Devil's Tower. There is no crater in Devil's Tower. Because they have this sort of landing pad sort right. of he area a set up. on the other side of it. Oh, and that was... Yeah, and he, he knows that because right. he made a 3D version right. and of she, it. They're expressing... Jillian is, as well as the other guy that yeah. escapes with them. Yeah. Um, oh, that's right. There is one other guy right. that does. And that's he, right. unfortunately, stays behind and gets hit with the gas. Mm, that's um, right. He is that... Uh, you should have tried it in three dimensions because they've been drawing pictures of it. They've been drawing it. pictures of it in and two dimensions, he, and he made right. this three whole three-dimensional thing. So he's like built the uh, railroad set in his home. Yeah. He yes. works that way. Yeah. So he he knew exactly where to find yeah. uh, this box head on the other side of the, the, the uh, mountain. So they're going up and over, and now we're hearing the army, and they're like, gas anybody with that same stuff. They'll be knocked out for six hours, and they'll wake up with a hell of a hangover, but it won't kill them. Um, so... There are helicopters gassing them as they're going, but they don't. They they get they both get away. Both Julian and Roy get away, and they get up and over until they can see sort of this landing area that mm-hmm. the, that these this whoever is in charge mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll call them the Men in Black, I guess, um, has set up with a like I said a bunch of audiologists, a big synthesizer, a big light board. That doesn't. It's isn't, cool. It's it's cool, but it's, it's cool. nothing. It's very seventies. This is. It's cool, really but it is nothing. Right. Because here's the th- here's, um, so, 
they get down there, and Roy's like, I'm going to keep going. And Jillian's like, I'm good. Uh-huh. Because Barry's not here. She eventually does walk down there. But she not does, yet. because mm-hmm. Barry comes out. Yeah. But she's like, I can feel that he's not here, so this is as far as I'm going to go. I'm going to stay here. Right. You go ahead and go. Like, And then they kiss, and I hate it. I... I liked the way it was done, though, where she's like, am I going to let him do this? There's an expression on her face like, yeah. what's going on here? If they had kissed sort of chastely, uh-huh. like a brother and sister kiss, and I know people are like, ew, brothers and sisters don't kiss, but they, they yeah. some families they do, and I don't have a problem with it. That's not what this is. He cups her face, I don't like it. You are married. Mm-hmm. You may not like your wife, and she may not like you. But this is not going to help. I just was like, and this, and it wasn't, there was never a romantic thing. She's missing her child. Y'all are in it for the aliens of the thing. Like, why are you kissing? I I just, it was unnecessary. It was just like Steven Spielberg was like, you got to have a kiss in a movie or it's not a movie. And I'm like, no, dude, you don't. You'll make Schindler's List one day and you'll learn. Like, I just, (laughs) I just, it really felt like he needed to put a kiss in somewhere and this was where he was going to do it. And I'm like, I hate, oh, I hated it so much. I was like, well, I hate both of these characters now, so thanks for that. <laughs> Appreciate it. Because um, it just felt, it didn't feel authentic to anything that was happening. Um, other than we're a man and a woman and we're separating now, so we must have to kiss. <laughs> like, no, you don't. You could just not. Uh, and he goes down. And they're like, and and the aliens are showing up now. Mm-hmm. There's these, there's several small ships that are showing up. Yeah. And so the scientists on the ground and the and the military on the ground are too sort of in awe by what's happening around them that Roy just fucking walks on. Wait, no, mind you, Lacombe, Lacombe. Yes, that's the other thing. The the French scientist has said repeatedly, maybe we should let these people. These people are like home. Were dr- they were drawn invited. here. They were invited. Right. If anybody belongs here, it's them. It's not because us. Because we see the the men in black or in orange, as they turn out to be in this case. Later, yeah. They're well, they're, it's, in, that's a in, NASA thing. They're in jumpsuits. They're, they've picked a select number of people who are in well, we don't these see jumpsuits that yet. and sunglasses who are just being prepped for, they think, taking this ride with them. Right, but we don't... That's later. First, we've got to deal with the small sets, and then they say that they do the sounds, and then we do the sounds back, and they do the sounds, and we do the sounds back, and then they do a whole bunch of different sounds, right. and then we do the same five sounds back. And I'm like, well... This is like when you're saying, can you say mama? And your baby says, mama. And you say, can you say dada? And your baby says, mama. <laughs> this is like, I we're think... not, this isn't communication. Right. You don't know what these five tones mean. I mean, unless it's literally just those numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's all these other tones that they're getting, and they're still just like, but those five, those original five, we remember those. Here they are again. Yeah, well, they start recording. Just saying them a whole, say them fast. Do it fast. And they, I'm like, that's still They nothing. start recording the, uh, the, 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 sound the, the sounds that they're getting. And yeah. something that our roommate pointed out when she was watching is it did remind her of playing Simon. Mm-hmm. 
which might have actually been inspired by this movie. Maybe. I don't know, I don't know when it's Simon was. It's shaped like a flying saucer. It, it has is, lights yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it's, it's playing this game with them. It's going back and forth. And that, once you think that part of it's over. I mean, maybe it was introduced in 1978. Okay, there we go. Um, then we get a visitation from the mothership. Yeah. So then the, 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 they, they, they're pleased with the fact that they seem to have gotten a response from, like, these five or six littler ships. They're not small, but they are in comparison to what's about to happen, which is a huge, like, city-sized... It looks like a city-sized shape ship comes over. It's not that big. It's probably... It's as big as the mountain is. Yeah. it's Yeah, like, maybe two square blocks, like or two blocks... Big city blocks, big, and they all are staring up at it and looking at it. It's very impressive. Comes over and it settles down. First, yeah, it does has a neat trick of actually turning upside down. Yes, yeah, um, yeah, which was interesting. Like you're looking at, are you are you looking at the top maybe? And then they they flip it. Yeah, they flip it over and the the thing opens. The like the the ship opens. And humans start coming out. And we see the pilots of those planes that were found. Mm-hmm. And we see the crew of the SS... Whatever it was called. Right. It was a weird... And the ship itself, by the way, that enormous spaceship, the model, is in, currently on display at the Smithsonian Institution. That's awesome. That's very cool. And... Barry comes out, so that's when Jillian comes down. She runs to get her baby. And here's when I start thinking, um, and we never find out. Did we previously make uh, some sort of agreement that these people could be taken without telling those people that they were going to be taken? I don't think It's unclear. And I think that part of it is that the same with the kidnapping of Barry, is that they don't have the same sort of sense that we do of what's right and wrong, so they're just the aliens in this movie. Scooping them? Yeah, they come across as what we would call mischievous. Um, and what this film is largely, and this is something that was controversial at the time because you had someone who's a very strict rationalist like Isaac Asimov uh-huh. complaining that between this film and Star Wars, it was going to... Lead take steps backward towards you know primitivism and and folly and but what he wasn't getting yeah he was he's, he was that kind of person um, sir the idea is that he Spielberg was incorporating a lot of stories from myths and right. legends and things like yeah. that too and so the idea of people being kidnapped by the fairies which i feel people. like you have to do right. when you're doing any kind of extraterrestrial thing now i just, yes. i think there's too much to not. Well, what's interesting is that one of the uncredited writers there were several who helped spielberg along with the story one of them was paul schrader who as it turns out uh, i made the mistake of saying he was a guilty catholic no he was a guilty dutch reformed um but that also would be some of that religious imagery winds up in, I mean, in all the films 
one of the first things I pointed out to you yesterday when we saw the film or the day before right was that uh it's in, it's, it's telling where the the mindset of the filmmakers was when there are twelve people who are called out to become essentially the disciples for the space people, even if they're uh put aside in favor of something else. And yeah. Also the imagery of mountains, which is all the Abrahamic faiths, the Jews, the Christians, the Muslims, right. all right. have these go mountains. To the mountains that you go to. So, to the mountains. Yes, yeah. There's a lot of that kind of imagery in this film. Yeah. And that was done deliberately. Yeah. 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 We see and there's just like parts where there's there's just a cross on the ground. Right. And it it's is. like it's not hidden. No. <laughs> um, if it is, they've done a very bad job. Well, yeah, so all of these people are coming off uh-huh. of the ship, and it's like, um, yeah, there was this sense where I was like, did they know these people were coming back? They seemed to, like, they had a roll call of mm-hmm. people, and I'm like, so do you just have a list of people you think well, might think have been abducted? I mean, I'm sure that's because right. they're, they're finding found, these right, the vessels, so the so people the inside of them, or, but it was just a little bit there like... There was a moment that reminded me almost of the recent the Marvel film, Captain America, when mm-hmm. they're walking up to these uh, soldiers going... Mm-hmm. Okay, so <laughs> we're going to have to debrief you. We're going to debrief you on what's happened because it's been several decades <laughs> since you've left. And one of them makes the comment, "Well, Einstein was right," and that was something that I thought even when I saw it. They're yeah. traveling at the speed of light. Yeah. So there's a distortion. They're just not aging, and they're not aging. And or they're they time travel. Right. That could be the case too. They they've scooped them all in the last four. You know, or left three weeks mm-hmm. at different points in time because of the way that right. they manipulate space. Because Barry's in there too. Yes. And he got taken, you know, two yeah, days ago or whatever. Oh, Barry could have been in there for a couple of months for all we know. But there's a. That's uh, true. The time in this movie is. Right. Um, but I mean, if he's traveling near the speed of light, yeah. he could have been on there for months, and they're just zipping around so quickly. Right, right. right. So that's what, but that's what I'm saying. That yeah. yeah, they may have scooped all of these people in the last three weeks, according to their time. Right. But it's there's a been... very short timeline for this story. Yeah, it takes place in like a week. Yeah. But one of the that I thought was cute was uh, one of the uh, ground crew that's receiving the UFO is like, well, Einstein was right, and he goes, Einstein was probably one of them, and I think he means the people. Who were captured, uh, or not captured? The people who were taken. You don't think he means an alien? He could have meant an alien. I, meant, I thought he meant an alien, right. but either way, yeah, <laughs> either way, it kind of makes sense. Um, then this is when. So now they're like, okay, well, you were invited. You're here. Mm-hmm. We're we're putting a bunch of people in uh, jumpsuits, and we're going to give them right. We're we're you want to go to space because there's a ship here and. So we're going to put some people on it. And right. he's like, so fuck, yes, I do. Stop I, civilians. Here, my right wife here. has left me. She's taking the kids. So I guess I have no responsibility. And I was fired. So I right. have no responsibilities. Deuces, motherfuckers. So he puts on his little orange jumpsuit. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go with him. But even better, uh, he's the only one. Right. They did the aliens. <laughs> we see them. The first one that we see is... Admittedly, very kind of yeah. Creepy. So then we now they now right. now it's alien time. All of the people have come off the ship, and now it's alien time. It's and against the backdrop of a bright light, mm. you see these four 
gangly, long limbs and a thing that looks like a Terminator skull. Mm -hmm. To me, that's what it looked like. And then it sort of chills itself out and becomes a little alien person. Well, he, the <laughs> first one is tall. It's almost as if they're adults and children, which is what I remember from the adaptation. Yeah, okay. Um, and it, it, I it, presume that first thing is yeah. what Barry saw when he was scared. Right. And then it was like, oh, I got to get myself cute. And then right. it like smushes itself down which into a thing. could be the case as well, because it's not very clearly explained. Except that when we first see it, it looks like a daddy long legs or mm -hmm. something really creepy like that. And then it kind With of. With one big skull right. head thing. And yeah. very long kind of neck, and it's yeah. very weird looking. It is very odd. And it, I think that's an interesting moment. But you because, don't see it close up. Right. It's very almost abstract in what you're yeah. seeing. You're just like, what is that? And then it's sort of. Then they're just like little grays. Right. So the first one comes With up, small and then mouth. he kind of like extends it like he's going to give you a hug, which he doesn't, thank God. And then we have all the little tiny ones that come up, and they just pull Roy. They're all the standing in right. line to to board, uh -huh. and they get him. He's the only one, because right. he's the one that they invited. Yeah. All these other ones are interlopers. No one. And by the way, uh, during this whole time, Jillian is snapping pictures like a fiend. Yeah. Because, because constantly we're hearing, in the age of... You know, f Americans take six billion pictures a, yeah. um, a year. Where are the where's the incontrovertible proof? And she's like, click, 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 click. <laughs> <laughs> so he Roy goes on to the ship. He climbs up. Mm -hmm. It's like a quite an incline, and then he disappears. And then then the alien hangs out with us for a little while. Who designed him? Carlo Rambaldi. Yeah, of who course also he did. did. E yes. And the Frenchman uses these weird hand symbols that are supposed to mean something and don't. Like, I, that yeah. was another thing where I was like, what is this even? You have a background <laughs> in American signs, so you sure. see, like, yes, those signs don't are meaningless utterly. They're utterly meaningless. They go with each sound, but we're making the sounds. So yeah. this, is, this is nothing. What is happening here? Yeah. It was... I was just like, I felt like he wanted this to be something else, and then he couldn't figure out what it was going to be, and he mm -hmm. forgot to take it out. And I'm just like, I don't, right. what's happening here? Um, and then the extra but the extraterrestrial signs them back to him, mm -hmm. which is nice, I guess. And then, and then he does a little smile with his weird little mouth, and then he goes back on the ship, and then the ship goes away. And here's what I'll say. And that's uh -huh. the end. Right. And there's never been a sequel, which no, is fucking wild. And I think, even though I, at the beginning of the show, said, fuck Richard Dreyfus forever, I didn't say that, but I kind of did. Um, I would kind of love to see a sequel to this movie directed by Steven Spielberg with Richard Dreyfus now in it. And he comes back and he's like, I'm... A million years old. <laughs> like, I've done so much stuff. But I don't know what that movie actually is, so maybe it's smart that they never made a sequel. But of all of the movies that could have had a sequel, I feel like this could have had a sequel, and I'm very surprised that they never... It feels like a movie that made a bunch of money. Now... It made a bunch of money. Here's the problem, of course. It came out the same year as Star Wars, so... Comparatively, it didn't make that much money. But that's 
seems unfair to me. <laughs> that seems like an unfair comparison to, you know, one of the highest grossing films and franchises of all time. Um, I'm trying to see. That movie came out in, oops, not Return of the Jedi. What is it called? A New Hope. And the film did make a, a huge amount of money. Especially for the time. $309 million. From yeah. a $19 million budget. Yeah. No, that is a massive amount of money. You're right. And and I think the thing is that um, Spielberg, to speak to what you were saying earlier, he kept retouching this one because he felt that there were scenes that were cut out of the film or that were, he was told were too expensive. Uh, things that he shot and were never edited or even polished up or, you know... There was a the one of the prints I saw actually has a scene that ends with Richard Dreyfus walking up this platform and you see the inside of the spaceship. That would be cool for a couple of minutes and it's very unusual looking because again, it doesn't look like anything else. It's he strove really uh, with a great deal of um, he worked with Ralph McQuarrie and Greg Gine who both worked on the Star Wars films uh, in terms of the art direction to make it look like something that looked very very different. Right. And so um, there was that. There was um, there was other scenes. That apparently, one of the scenes that got cut was the scene where Neri is taking. That still feels like it goes on too long. Where Neri is building the gigantic model in his living room, and it just went on and on and on in the take I t I saw on television. Interesting. So there was a. There's been several versions of it. The ship was the ship in the desert wasn't. I think in the original version, or at least it wasn't included. Oh, interesting. In it. Okay. So there was a lot of takes and cuts and scenes and things like that that were added and removed over time. This movie appears on the AFI films list. Is it thrilling? I think it is. I think so too. Yeah, I think it. And it's it's uh, an hour. Or it's two hours and twelve minutes long. And mm -hmm. at no point was I like, when's this gonna be done? No. Like it's it just really zipping it off. does. It does. Part of that is, like you said, it's like a week. Mm -hmm. It's all. It's not a long time. Right. The and because we're uh, sort of going back and forth. Right. It's not just with Roy. It's not just with Jillian. It's not just with the scientists. Mm -hmm. um, what I said when we were watching it, I was like, uh, you know, what borrowed from this in terms of as global as it is, because you had said you forgot about how like right, they're the they go the scope of the film. They yeah. go to all the deserts. Um, <laughs> Weirdly, um, it reminded me of World War Z. Yeah, in that we're gonna go to here, and then we're gonna go here, and then we're gonna go here, and only do a quick scene, a little bit of information, and then move on. I think where it where it falls apart a little bit is that communication piece. Mm -hmm. Those five tones. It, that's an interesting thing to have it be based on musical tones. But there wasn't enough there, and the little bit that they, the little phrases that you would see here during that last scene where they were like, oh, that means this, and this means that, and I'm like, there's no way mm -hmm. that you have connected those dots without computers, and like, there's just no way. You're trying to get me to believe that this is more than what it is, and it isn't. <laughs> like, you have not fleshed this out. Which is fine. Figuring out extraterrestrial communication is hard. And Steven Spielberg is a filmmaker, not a scientist uh, or a linguist. Mm -hmm. But it just felt like 
there could have been a little bit more meat there. Yeah. I, I'm not sure, because we talked about, what's the other film, the Amy... Arrival. Adams, Arrival. Yeah. That, the, done, yeah that's, that hurts this movie, right, I think, but it was in done a little decades bit. Later. Of course. And, so and they, the entirety right. of the film is about the communication piece, which is not what this movie is about. Right. But because we have that that like the felt. first hurdle that we had to have with this film is that they exist at all. And I think that nowadays... Yes. That's we can just skip right. that. We're, yeah. It's like, no, they're, 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 they're around or whatever it is. But, um, but yeah, overall, I really... I, I have really fond memories of watching this movie. And it seems like I haven't seen the same version of it twice. It's wild point. to me that I never saw it when I was growing up because it's definitely a movie I would have liked to have in the background. I would have mm-hmm. watched. Like, it's entertaining. The whole yeah. of it, all the way through, is entertaining. Um, I don't know. Maybe they thought child abduction was not cool to put on. But you said you saw it on television, which means it was yeah. definitely on television. Yeah. I just don't yeah. know. I don't know. Maybe my parents hated this movie. I have no idea, and I cannot ask them. So... We'll never know. Anything else you want to say about I Close Encounters movie. of the Third? It's funny. I, I as much as I do have issues with Spielberg, but I think by and large this really was very successful in terms of a film. It apparently was partly inspired by his being taken out in the middle of the night by his dad to see a meteor shower at one point, and that that whole scene in the beginning of the film. When Neri is like dragging his family out to go, you know, sit there in, in the, you know, uh, in a field more or less, and watch or on a mountain and, and try to look at the night sky was something that he remembers doing with his father. So that was part of the inspiration behind this. So on that level, I think because it was so personal, it comes across really well as a film. Yeah, which makes me want to watch The Fablemans. Maybe it will be good. Um, okay, so next week we're going to have a brief discussion and then we're going to do a little bit of a, uh, yeah, we're going to revisit a film and that film is The Deer Hunter. Uh, Now for something completely different. nearly as hopeful a film (laughs) as this one is. Uh, so we will be talking about that next week. But until then, do you have anything that you might want to I recommend? I have not finished saying anything. Yeah, since we, did we this. started watching something, but but we haven't finished anything yet. And I, I I'm I'm very much against at this point now recommending something I've seen halfway through, going it's really promising, and then of course it completely blows it. We're half an hour from the end of Dungeons and Dragons. Stay tuned to find out if we recommend it. Uh, but it's on Paramount Plus if you wanted to watch it before you find out our final verdict, because this is not coming out for a month or something like that, six, like several weeks. Um, yeah, I don't think I have anything currently to recommend either, which bums me out. So I'm trying to think about broad things I'd like to recommend. Uh, Go for a walk. Even a short walk. Mm -hmm. The sun, it's back. It's left us for a big chunk of the year. You know, it's been gone all winter. You probably need some vitamin D. Yes. Go get some vitamin D. Get some sleep, too. Well, 
I always recommend that. Yes, sleep. It's awesome. I took a test recently and found out I'm bad at it. So, gonna get a machine and hopefully I get better at it. Uh, but yeah, go for a little walk. If you can go to a beach, mm-hmm. go to a beach. If you can pet a baby goat, I recommend that. Yes, pet a baby goat always. Uh, um, re- re- just reject it if it asks if you would like to live deliciously. Um, or don't. Or maybe you'd like you to live what? deliciously. Maybe you would like to live deliciously. I don't know. Anya Taylor-Joy wants to live deliciously. She's a pretty lady. I think that so. obligates you to some other things, but you do you. Uh, okay, so that brings us to the end. Next week, The Deer Hunter. Until then, if you have questions or comments or concerns, you can reach us at latecomerspod at gmail.com. That's our email address. You can find us on Twitter, sort of. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching for Latecomers Podcast in the search bar. And until next week, I would like to remind you to please, please, to take your medicines. And we'd like to remind you, better late than never. never.